Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. In the NOCO is supported by Blue Federal Credit Union, with locations from Denver to Cheyenne, helping members tap into the power of community. More information at bluefcu.com. From KUNC and the NPR Network, this is In the NOCO, a daily slice of Northern Colorado news and happenings. It's Friday, February 16th. I'm Erin O'Toole. As a teen, author Oscar Hokia was an avid reader. He devoured dark fantasy novels and envisioned writing Native American versions of those stories. His studies drew him on a more literary path, but it took a long time to get there. So the last grade I completed was in sixth grade. And then I got a GD when I was 17. And so I didn't even think of myself as being, even though I read all the time and I would write all the time, I just never thought of myself as being someone who would go to college. At the age of 29, Hokia returned to school and began studying literary fiction. He was determined to bring his perspective as an indigenous person to a field that has only a small percentage of novelists from tribal communities. Now Hokia is headlining the Fort Collins Book Fest with his debut novel, Calling for a Blanket Dance. I sat down with Hokia, a citizen of the Cherokee Nation and the Kiowa tribe of Oklahoma, to talk about the book and the powerful cultural elements he brings to the page. So the theme of this year's Fort Collins Book Fest is One Community, Many Stories. And it seems like your novel and the way it's written just fits perfectly within that theme. Could you talk about that? Yeah, so the the my debut novel, Calling for a Blanket Dance, is um, what I describe as polyvocal, where we have every chapter is narrated by a different family member of the main character. So the main character's name is Evergima Saddle. And so like first chapter is grandma, then we got grandpa, aunts, uncles, cousins, siblings, all the way until the last chapter where the main character speaks for himself. And I thought it was a good way of, um, you know, trying to capture what it's like to live inside of this kind of really tightly knit family group, um, this kind of collective way of of looking at the world. And so having each of these family members tell something significant um, that they had encountered with their relative was just a, a really great way of capturing the kind of tribal communal aspect of living and growing up in a Native community. Well, family is an important cultural element within tribal communities. And we really get to experience that as we read this story and as we follow your main character ever through his life. Could you talk about the importance of family and and maybe who is a family? Yeah, so I think that, you know, whenever we think of family, oftentimes, you know, like there's certain distinctions in, in the Native community. You know, we have aunts and uncles, but oftentimes they're more like mothers and fathers, and our cousins are more like our siblings. So a lot of our terminology might mean specifically those things might be more like brother instead of cousin or sister instead of cousin. And we're so tightly knit that even within the language itself, it speaks to this kind of bonding aspect um, and trying to hold each other close so that we can depend on each other and lean on each other, especially during hard times like we see um, throughout the the novel itself as we see Everett Gimasato go through his obstacles and how his family steps in. And then later in the novel, how he shows up for his family. You know, family is super important and we see those distinctions as they play out in, in our language and how we interact and how involved we are. And so whenever you see a character in the novel who is like, um, would be considered a great aunt, but she's still heavily involved 
in the main character's life. Um, so it's not just like a nuclear family type of situation, but it extends out further in, into the family structure, you know, like um, so relatives that might be second cousins, third cousins are still a significant part of our lives. The notion of intergenerational trauma and how deeply it affects Indigenous people is central to calling for a blanket dance. What do you want readers to take away about this kind of trauma and what it means for the lives of Native people? You know, I definitely would like for readers to get a sense of how we are working diligently to to correct that historical trauma. So we have not, not only within our family groups, but within the community um, and the service work that we do in our communities um, to help the next generation, help youth. And so like the main character of Aguima Saddle adopts a young Comanche kid. And um, and so, you know, in his in his working life as well as his personal life, I mean, he's taking steps to try to heal that historical trauma or that intergenerational trauma that keeps kind of showing back up. And so, you know, like I work in Indian child welfare. I think in our just our department alone, there's over, well over 100 employees and we're all working toward helping with this intergenerational trauma. And so I'd like for readers just to walk away with the sense of that we are, you know, working toward that healing that and we lean on each other for strength. One of my favorite parts of the book is when Ever's grandfather, Vincent, picks him up along with his cousin Quentin from school, and they're in the truck, and he's trying to share with them some knowledge about um, tribal customs and colors and symbols, and they are just not picking up on it. They keep saying, but my favorite color is blue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it's all, it's treated with humor and love, and I just, I love that part. How important is it for this wisdom to be passed along to the younger generations? Yeah, no, that is super important. And as you grow up, I mean, in that particular chapter, um, the main character is five years old with his cousin, who's also five, and their grandfather, Vincent Gimsell, is trying to teach them um, about gort dance cultures and certain patterns that are distinctive to the Kiowa tribe and certain color schemes that are distinctive um, to Kiowas in order to try to read the regalia. So whenever I go into what I would call, you know, a traditional gort dance, I can look at an individual and based on what they're wearing, I can tell like what families are from and what just different society works that they're part of, just different aspects of who they are um, just by what they're wearing. And so that's what he's trying to teach um, his grandsons, but you know, they're young, they're five years old and they're, you know, like they're kind of misfiring. Like he's, they're kind of talking over each other in that particular scene. Right. And so it's, it's kind of funny, um, but very true to, to how it is. Cause I I've had, you know, I have six kids myself and I remember with every kid having those moments of trying to explain to them, you know, you're Indian, you know, and you're Kiowa and you're Cherokee. I'm just trying to get them to, to understand how that intertwines. Mm. I realize advocacy and community outreach are a big part of your life. You mentioned working with Indian Child Welfare. Could you talk about that and how it's informed your writing and some of the characters in Calling for a Blanket Dance? Yes. Yeah. So I've worked with at-risk Native youth for 20 years. This year would be 20 years exactly. So I started in 2004 in an all-Native group home in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Right now, I work at Cherokee Nation in Oklahoma, and I work in the Indian Child Welfare Department. So it's like social, like a social worker, social services type of a, an environment. And um, so in my in my novel and in my writing in general, I tend to write about characters who are working with youth and trying to correct some of that inter intergenerational trauma that we had mentioned. And um, so the main character, as we see, at, whenever he becomes an adult 
and he's trying to do his part for the community. We see where I mentioned where he, he adopts Leander Chestnut and he's working in the group home and he's doing very similar things that I, you know, I drew directly from my personal life. Um, but I tend to like to write about adults who work with youth. Um, and so that's that's showing up again in my second book that I'm working on now. I've already written the, th the first draft to a third book, and that's definitely the main aspect of that book as well. Um, so I've, I think that as far as I can see anyway, that that theme is going to continue as I continue to write. Oscar Hokia's debut novel is Calling for a Blanket Dance. He'll be in Fort Collins Saturday as part of this year's Fort Collins Book Fest. Oscar, thank you so much for talking with me today. Thank you very much. I'm very grateful. You'll find a schedule of events for the Fort Collins Book Fest in our show notes and at KUNC.org. That's it for us today here on In the NoCo. We'll be back with you next week with more of what's happening in Northern Colorado. Robin Vincent is our executive producer. I'm your host, Erin O'Toole. Have a great weekend.